Bienvenidos and hola uh, and welcome to, I, I just said welcome again, I said welcome in a different language first. Uh, welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast uh, where we are here to talk about all things nerd, all things pop culture for another week. Uh, I am here, I'm Illegal86, one of your hosts, and I am joined by Tectic. Hello. And the Nerd Bomber. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday to you and happy november this is yeah this is our first november episode uh hope you enjoyed your halloween uh we're getting into that 11th month we got thanksgiving coming up we got black friday hope you're making your holiday shopping lists i've already seen like a million christmas commercials and i'm not happy about it um any thoughts on that from either of you are you guys okay with it or anti i do not tune to any christmas radio stations until thanksgiving I kind of... I'm, I'm not talking about radio. I'm talking about television. So I don't usually care either way. Um, like, it usually feels a little bit too early to do it right after Halloween. But for whatever reason this year, I feel like this year is just going by super fast. I feel like October, I didn't really get a chance to really hunker down and enjoy the spooky season. So I'm kind of worried that the same thing will happen with the Christmas holiday season. So I'm kind of okay with it starting early this year, just because I feel like maybe that'll give me a little bit more time to get into the spirit. So, I, okay, I can kind of agree. I can get behind that because I always feel like the season flies by and I'm a huge, huge Christmas fan. But at the same time, I was raised a certain way and playing Christmas commercials on Hulu the day after Halloween goes against everything I stand for and everything I believe in. So to all companies, it's just, it's too soon. At least wait till like the middle of November, but like right away, they're shoving it down our throats. Make some Thanksgiving commercials. That would make more sense. Anyways, I digress. Uh, this is not all we're going to talk about today. Uh, believe it or not uh we have to talk about blizzcon guys blizzcon was this past weekend um we're also going to talk about death stranding uh there which i believe actually is already out now even if it's not out now i know a bunch of reviews have have dropped um and we're going to get kind of unpack those a little bit and then we have some nfl news um i in a recent secret segment no sorry a vlog uh i discussed some mid-season predictions but uh, we're actually going to talk about a team potentially moving to London. That was some news that broke today. Um, so yeah, a full show, a fun show. And let's just, let's dive right into BlizzCon. So uh, everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people probably knew that BlizzCon was coming up. There were a lot of uh, hyped, expected announcements and pretty much what people were expecting and hoping for is what they got. Um, one of the big ones of really, I would say there are two major ones. Uh, Overwatch 2 was announced which is going to be a full-on sequel. Um, it seems like, uh, based on what was announced, um, there's going to be a lot of focus on co-op and um, some new player versus environment modes and a bunch of basically new story missions. Um, I don't think there's going to be any updated uh, characters, but there's going to be updated skins and cosmetics and all kinds of stuff. And uh, it's also worth noting that Overwatch 1 is not going anywhere. Um, so if you wanted to stick into Overwatch 1, that's just totally fine. Um, and I just realized I misspoke. There will be new maps and heroes. Uh, so just going to undo that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've never played Overwatch, so I don't really know a whole lot about it. I don't know if you guys have, or if you have any thoughts on this. I haven't really played it. I'm not really big into the competitive multiplayer online scene anymore. I think I just don't have enough time to really dedicate to getting good, so to speak. Um, 
But I do think it's really interesting that their main thing that they announced was that Overwatch 1 will get updates so that the the player versus player multiplayer modes will still like people who have Overwatch 1 and Overwatch 2 will be able to play together. So I think that's pretty neat. I'm just glad that they're focusing on more of a PvE than a PvP because like Nerd Bomber said it, it for for both of us PvP is kind of this frustrating thing because we don't have the time to hunker down and really get good at that game so we just end up at the bottom of the roster when it comes to the online competitive play so i'm really really excited to work with those super super good people and be on the top of the leaderboard it kind of reminds me and for a while this game really got compared to overwatch and right or wrong it kind of sunk the game but battleborn was a pve type game where it was kind of reminiscent of Overwatch. It came out at like almost exactly the same time and basically got destroyed by Overwatch, even though it was a slightly different game because a lot of it, it I mean, it was like a hero based game, but it was basically working together with a team. You didn't necessarily just shoot other players. You were trying to like clear enemies and waves and stuff. I don't remember because I think that game, man, Overwatch has been out for a while now, but I think it was a, a while that we played it. Um, so I don't remember all of the details anymore very clearly, but it kind of seems like they're incorporating some aspects of that game into it. I basically only now, remember that I was the weird mushroom man in that game. So if I remember correctly, we actually, all three of us played this together. Maybe it was just a demo, but this was back in my Xbox One days and we all played it together. And yeah, that feels like it was a decade ago. It wasn't that long ago, but man, Overwatch has been out for, for a long time. Um a comparison that I was going to draw, um, I guess in hopes that it would be as good is, you know, when I first started playing destiny, I kind of was feeling that same thing of like, ah, I, you know, I really don't know if I have it in me time wise and effort wise to be competitive in a PVP environment, but destiny has so many great PVE elements and not only PVE elements, but also like, you know, you, you make a fire team and you go and do raids and things and, I found that to be really engaging and kind of addicting. So I love the sound of both increased PVE and also co-op can never die. If co-op ever dies, I'm going to be really upset just as like a gaming mode. So it's good to hear that it's going to be on the forefront of what I think is one of the most popular games these days. So um, Overwatch 2 was one big one. Uh, Of course, the other big one was, was Diablo 4 and no... We are not talking about uh, Diablo Immortal, which is a mobile game. Um, this is a full-fledged Diablo 4, uh, true sequel to Diablo 2. You got all your satanic rituals, occult symbols, uh, and apparently a lot of blood. Now, I actually have not watched the cinematic for this, but apparently it was it was pretty intense, and um, people are extremely excited. Uh, Kind of the big thing, though, is that apparently it won't be releasing anytime soon. I don't even know if they gave a release date, but if they did, it's it's quite a ways out. But people are thrilled about this. And this is another one that I've never played, unfortunately. But I know people who are super sucked into Diablo and are have to be super excited about this. And you can now get your Diablo 4 art book. It is officially released. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the, the, we, we talked about the leak. It was either last week or the week before. Uh, the leak was true. And... Uh, yeah, Diablo 4 is here. So that was the other big one. Uh, and of course, uh, there was also an expansion announced for World of Warcraft, Shadowlands, which I don't know how many World of Warcraft expansions there are at this point. It's got to be millions. Uh, I could take you through the thematics of that, but I, I won't. 
because again i don't know anything about warcraft and then uh hearthstone is also getting an expansion which i believe is a mobile game and no one really cares about mobile games so we're gonna move on uh but blizzcon was was obviously a big deal if only for overwatch 2 and, and diablo 4 material so uh if you're excited about either or both of those or if you have a bone to pick with um with blizzard for various reasons hit us up on twitter hit us up on social media we are ready to chat with you so uh, I do have so a comment yeah, about BlizzCon altogether. And overall, uh, aside from these two major announcements of Overwatch and um, Diablo 4... Which a lot of people saw coming, I may add. I don't understand yeah. why they don't, they don't just stick with the regular Comic-Cons and, and why they have to do their separate thing. If it's going to be this lackluster... So that's a pretty good point. I, I mean, like Nerdbomber said, these two announcements people saw coming a mile away, you know, both because of the art, the Diablo art book, and just, I think Overwatch 2 has been talked about for months now. Um, so yeah, you know, they're both exciting AAA titles in their own right, but like, it also kind of falls flat as a huge conference event when it's like, okay, here's what you were expecting and not much else. So I, I you know, I don't have a point of reference for BlizzCon. I, we may have talked about it last year or the year before. I honestly don't remember. Um, but it does seem like a conference that could just, you know, Blizzard could stand to kind of get over itself and fold itself into, you know, E3 or Comic-Con or any other venue to announce these two things. And, and, and you know, the, the, the byproduct of that is that they could easily be, you know, if Overwatch 2 was announced at E3, it would probably be like the main story of E3 or one of the main stories of E3. And I think it's good for a company to get that kind of publicity rather than just say, we're going to have our own event for our own fans. It's almost like they're not trying to draw anyone else, which exactly is an interesting strategy. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know how other people feel. Maybe Blizzard fans feel that they want a conference that is, you know, holy for them and holy their own. I don't know. Um, but that's a really good point that I hadn't considered. It does seem like an interesting marketing strategy. Uh, with that said, I'm not super sure Blizzard is, is worried about marketing a game like Overwatch 2. Everyone who's played Overwatch 1 is going to play it, and maybe even some more people um, will kind of grab onto it. Same goes for Diablo 4. I mean, people have been waiting for Diablo 4 for... I mean, how long has it been since Diablo 2? It's been forever. Um so yeah, I, I think people were always on board with this and it doesn't matter if it's announced at E3 or BlizzCon, wherever it is, people are going to be super, super excited about it. So rejoice Blizzard fans um, for the day of reckoning is upon you. Uh, other video game news. Um, we should talk about Death Stranding. Now we have talked about Death Stranding on this podcast. I don't remember exactly when, but I, I know that when one of the super, super long trailers came out, we talked about it kind of in depth. Um, if you haven't seen any of the trailers for this game, because there was another launch trailer that came out last week that was also like nine minutes long. I don't think Kojima knows what a trailer, what it means to be a trailer. They're basically short films. <laughs> um, they're extremely long. There's a lot to process. They're visually stunning and like really top notch, but it just, I don't know. I watched the launch trailer last week and I was, I was like, okay, I still don't really know what this game is about. There's a lot of confusing imagery and a lot of confusing themes. What, what am I buying if I'm buying this? And 
the reviews now are coming out. Uh, so first things first, Metacritic, its current score based on 76 critic reviews is at 84, which is pretty darn good, I think. Um, with that said, a lot of critics are essentially saying it's good, but I don't get it. You know, it, it's critics can't seem to agree on whether it's good or not. Um, there's apparently a lot of uh, boring exposition. Uh, what I'm seeing in the article I have in front of me is that the first, oh gosh, like 12 hours, I think it says, of uh, material, the first 10 hours can be challenging or outright boring depending on your play style, which, boy, imagine buying a game knowing that the first 10 hours are going to be challenging or boring. <laughs> I don't know. Just that grind. It's, it's, it seems like it's just grind, and it also seems like a common thread with a lot of reviews is that if you think it's going to be remotely combat-focused, think again. It's a lot about exploring. It's a lot about surviving and just kind of walking around with this big square backpack on your back and, I don't know, figuring it out. Um, I just, I don't know if this game is for me. Like, a lot of the reviews that I've read so far, they say that they're the game is comprised mostly of fetch quests. Like you're not supposed to really be killing people because then I think something bad happens. I'm trying to like not super spoil the game in case I do want to play it, but it seems like you're just walking around doing fetch quests and being confused. And I think a lot of the reviewers are also saying too, like you said, like you have to get 10 to 15 hours in before you really start appreciating it. And I don't know about you guys, but I just don't don't have have the time time to like, I don't know. I don't have the time to waste 10 hours on something mediocre in the hopes that I'll maybe understand this convoluted storyline. I feel like a lot of people, and maybe I'm wrong here in saying this, but because Kojima has created such great games in the past, I feel like everyone thinks they should like it simply because he made it. And I don't know if that's driving and skewing review scores higher than they should be because let's be real if everyone is super confused about a game is it really that good and even time aside like how do you i don't even have the patience so let's say i dedicated a whole weekend to saying i'm gonna play this game i will guarantee you i will get bored within the first 15 minutes if nothing happens of significance yeah, I, I mean, so, I, so I, there's a couple of direct quotes that I want to read uh, from from various reviews around the internet. Uh, the first from uh, Andrew Webster from The Verge. And this is a direct quote. It's not a game that makes itself easy to enjoy, <laughs> which not exactly a resounding review. Uh, and he goes on to say, there are a few concessions for uninterested players. It's ponderously slow, particularly in the early chapters, which largely consist of delivering packages over staggering distances. <laughs> early conversations are filled with phrases and words that will be incomprehensible to the uninitiated. And honestly, much of it remains a mystery after the credits roll. That does not sound uh, great to me at all. But 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 there are people, you know, uh, one of the things that's been um, almost universally praised, and this is John Linneman from Digital Foundry, quote unquote, so much work has been poured into every inch of every model, and it's almost unbelievable to see this much detail, even in an era where the most games already feature highly detailed characters. Put simply, the bar has been raised. So, you know, maybe that's a lot of where a lot of the praise is coming from. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't imagine... Uh, this this article draws a comparison to Red Dead Redemption 2, which I'm gonna I'm currently playing there. And I'm gonna be talking about my experience with that. Um, it sounds like that game has a similar slow ramp up time, which I'm experiencing, and I just I can't imagine 
signing up for it again, especially after what I'm going through right now. So I just don't know. I mean, you might, you may be right. And it may be getting a lot of high reviews because this is the Metal Gear Solid guy. Like this is a huge deal. He's been working on this game for how many years? It seems like it's his magnum opus. And as much as the trailers are frustrating for me to watch, they promise a lot in terms of like, there's a lot to go into this game and figure out. And there are probably people that are salivating at the idea of that. I am not one of those people. Yeah. This to me, it feels a lot like one of those novels when you're in high school and it's like a classic novel, like a tale of two cities. I don't know if you guys enjoyed that book, but, and I consider myself to be a really big reader, but I hated it. And I felt like the first quarter of the book was just exposition that I didn't care about. And it took me a really long time to even care about any of the characters in the book. And to me, I feel like that's not good writing. Like it was a very well written book. And I think that's what makes it a classic. And amongst other things too, obviously, but like, I just, I don't know. Maybe I just don't appreciate high art like I'm supposed to. I don't think a game should be praised based on its, its, its artistic graphics. I mean, in the just because it's Norman Reedus, I'm going to compare it to the Telltale Walking Dead series. And the the graphics of that game were just okay. And I thought those were done fantastic. I thought that was a fantastic game. But if there's no plot and you're just kind of neandering around and going, what? I, I don't care if it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've said many times on this podcast and in other places that when it comes to video games for me, the most important thing without any question is story and if your story takes too long to get off the ground i just don't know how invested i'm going to be and and, and, you know there are exceptions to that and nerd bomber you mentioned tale of two cities i will in kind mention actually the lord of the rings you know J.R.R. tolkien like i i love lord of the rings i'm a huge lord of the rings nerd i love the movies of the books i've read them all but reading those books is a challenge uh especially in the beginning and at the end because there's a lot of many long stretches where not a lot's happening it's just characters going from place to place and not really experiencing too much so maybe that's what this is like and you know maybe the payoff at the end is worth the build-up but i just i don't know i mean everything i've seen about this game so far has been more confusing than enticing and it is worth noting i did look it up this game actually has not come out yet uh it's the review embargo was lifted i think last friday but the game releases the wide release is november 8th which i believe is this friday it is this Mm -hmm. is friday um so we'll probably be hearing even more uh in the next week or so and it's, it's worth noting that there are reviewers again kind of referencing uh this article i have in front of me this is a quote from the hollywood reporter I came away from the game exhilarated, confused, and wanting to find others who have played it, not only to put together the missing pieces, but to commiserate about the experience. In a clever meta twist, Kojima has created a game that begs for a larger discourse, a connection for all those who have played it to share. Maybe that's what's missing? I I, I don't I don't know. You know, like maybe maybe he wants people to get together and talk about it rather than understand it. But basically he just me, wants people to sit in a room and go what the hell did we just do? What just happened? Yeah, right, exactly. Which I don't know if that's good. It's not good storytelling. A good story should end with, okay, that was, you know, 
you can dissect it to a certain extent, but you know what happened, at least in the macro sense. It almost sounds like people are playing this game and then it ends and they're like, what happened? What did I, what did I do? You know, which that's a lot for me. I think it's a lot for, for most people. I think it, it's, it's a lot to ask. Um, but I don't know, like, like hearing all of this, I, I don't know what your opinions were going into this. If you guys were thinking about getting this game, uh, if you were before, are you thinking about it now or just kind of what's your general sense? So I was kind of on the fence about it to begin with. I'll be honest, the baby, a lot of people seem like super mystified <laughs> and they think it's awesome and they want to know more about it. To me, it it's creeps creepy. me out. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like that little baby. I'm sorry. I just don't. Um, that was a very big turnoff for me. Also, the fact that the advertising campaign seemed to be just based on how confused can we make people. I don't know. I I just, that doesn't appeal to me as a player, as just a person, a consumer. That's not my, my shtick. I don't, I don't get anything from that. So I was kind of on the fence to begin with, but everyone was saying it was this huge masterpiece. But now the more that I'm seeing the reviews, I just, I think I might just wait this one out. Maybe I'll pick it up on sale, but I don't see myself maybe even playing it ever. I don't know. There's too many good games and this is this is kind of my sticking point. Anytime I start a game and I don't like it, I used to be the type of person where I felt compelled to finish it just because like I'd spent money on it or whatnot. And now the older that I'm getting and the more games that are coming out that are amazing, I feel like to waste time on an experience that I'm not enjoying is just pointless because there's so many other games that I could be playing having a lot of fun with there's so many different innovative ideas coming out both from the indie game scene from the triple a scene like so many good games why would I waste my time on something just because I feel like I should like it even if I don't yeah so for me I have been confused from the start and kind of like you I've I've mostly been turned off by the marketing just because I feel like it's a game that thinks it's better than it is. Um, these epic nine-minute trailers are almost ways of saying, look at how much we were able to pack into this game, which is not a mark of how good a game is. I, I don't think length is the most important thing. And in fact, I think then you kind of turn a game into this endurance test that's eventually no longer fun. You know, f- for me, then there are rare exceptions to this rule. But when I turn on my PlayStation and I want to play a game, I'm not looking for a mind bending experience that like apparently is like delving into what it means to be alive and to like be human. A lot of the time I'm looking for something that's a little bit more uh, relaxed and low key than that. You know, I I'm open to being exposed to themes like that in games. And I think some of my favorite games do that. Yeah. You know, I, I like last of us, dead space, you know, there are these survival horror games, but at last of us especially has this huge amount of emotional content but it's also linear and it's also you spend the game doing things. It sounds like you're spending a lot of death stranding either aimless or just kind of wandering and exploring and hoping that you figure something out, which doesn't sound like in a, a very appealing thing to me. Um, tactic. What are your thoughts? I agree with you. I, I don't think in a game that length is the most important thing. I, it, you need substance and when I'm looking at the trailer, forget the baby thing aside. Um, it's <laughs> Hard it's to forget, basically, okay. and this scene you're going to be walking. And then look at this scene you're going to be walking. And here's a random ladder. And then now you're walking again. Right. And I just, I need to be grasped. And it just, it, it could not pull me in 
probably because he was busy focusing on walking honestly i, I mean there there and i i, I don't want to like completely short sell this like there are trailers there are sections of the trailer that do legitimately look interesting and like and again it is all visually top-notch but like there's sections of the trailer where there's actually things happening that you're thinking to yourself okay this looks like a game i would play and then it goes back to like norman reedus talking to someone or just why was that such a big deal like what (laughs) it's not the sims It, it it looks like you know it like and was was said in this article actually like 2019 has released several games where you could pee it's not just this one or is it 2020 there was that horror game we reviewed uh, a couple episodes back where you can pee oh you know that's the Blair right. Witch Project one what is, what is going on game developers where where they're so focused on that that's the goal of game developers now is to get us into situations where. If we hit the P button in the game, we start peeing in real life and we all pee our pants. It's a big, it's a long reaching practical joke. What a time to be alive. Theory. I know, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just the, the trailer is so uneven to, to go back to, dead, to Death Stranding. Like, there are moments of it, especially the moments with Mads Mikkelsen, where I'm like, okay, this looks like he seems like an interesting antagonist. But then there's also huge swaths of the game where he's apparently either not involved or ambiguously involved. I don't know. It's just, it, it, it's too much for me to take, I think. And, and maybe that's a me problem, but it doesn't sound like it is from, from your guys' reactions. Uh, I'm not sure who the target audience here is. Maybe it's just people who see the name Kojima and are immediately invested um but maybe it tells people who like art and like games that make you think way more than i would ever want to uh i don't know but uh death stranding does come out november 8th uh if this sounds like your kind of party get get excited and uh, length is important to you yeah (laughs) there's a lot of game i mean you could spend apparently like a week playing this game and it wouldn't end so if you don't have a job or if you want to take a week off from your job and just play this thing straight through, you should have that opportunity. Cause I don't think it's going to like sell out or anything, but go check it out, I guess. And, uh, if you do wind up playing it and want to let us know how it is and tell us how wrong we are, then, uh, you know where to find us. So that brings us essentially to the halfway point of the episode. So as always, we are going to take a short ad break, but before we do, we want to shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Ben Checkness. Uh, so Ben, as we've mentioned many times, is super, super cool. He supports us on Patreon uh, at our highest level of support, which is the night level. Um, and at the night level, Ben not only gets a Patreon producer credit on every episode, he also gets game input into every game we play at the end of our episodes. And he gets access to the monthly secret segments and the monthly vlogs as well. Uh, There's also a second level of Patreon support, uh, which is the Squire level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and the monthly vlog. And then, of course, there is also the lowly page, uh, and that will get you access to the monthly secret segment as well. So if you're interested in supporting us, we would really appreciate it. And we would ask that you go to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast and check out what we have to offer. Um, and uh just just be like ben you know we should really at this point we should probably make t-shirts that say that or something because i feel like i'm saying it every episode but it's never been more true be like ben you should strive for that um so yeah we'll, we'll now take a brief 
30 second ad break and we'll be back to talk to you about the nfl i'm harrison i'm jordan well i am harrison i'm fucking jordan all right and we're we're the the grief Rio Podcast. podcast let us be your unnatural sherpa guides on this existential plane of mountainous game and movie exploration and don't forget about that spookiness that lives within us all but mainly in you you spooky bitch We've been voted the best podcast to listen to by many. By many? That means a few. That's more than one. Results may vary. We'll see you on the next episode of Grief Burrito. Yeah! Yeah! All right, welcome back. Uh, And welcome back to the middle of the NFL season. We just got done with week nine. Um... And again, I, I already kind of plugged this at the beginning of the episode, but um, if you are a Patreon supporter, first of all, thank you. And second of all, uh, there is a vlog uh, for the month of October that uh, describes my year and my mid-year predictions for what's going to happen the rest of the year in the NFL. So go check that out. Um, what's happening right now, and this news actually broke today, uh, reported by the at the Athletic originally, which I have never heard of the Athletic, but apparently it's a sports website you've never heard of the athletic Um, and i'm quoting now the athletic has learned through nfl sources that the possibility of the chargers moving to london has been broached among league personnel the athletic also has learned that while the team is fully committed to los angeles where it will move into the new 4.5 billion dollar stadium with the rams next year the chargers would at least listen if the nfl approached them about london as a possible option um so there's a lot to unpack here um my first comment is going to be you haven't heard of the athletic oh my goodness i already have not heard of the athletic i've heard of the atlantic but that's different so the athletic basically i think it hit the scene maybe two years ago or something like that and it poached a lot of the great sports journalists from like the major national publications and essentially they do a lot of really good investigative sports journalism and they have like I'm not affiliated with the athletic in any way because you have to pay for it. Um, not a sponsor, but it, they just have a lot of really good sports journalism. So I'm I'm just surprised that you hadn't heard about it. And you get a free T-shirt. Well, uh, they got they got the scoop here with this uh, potentially big news. Um, so it's worth noting. There's a lot to unpack here, but it's worth noting that the NFL has been playing games in London for years. Uh, I think it's usually two or three games a year. Uh, the Jaguars, I know, go there at least once a year. Um, and in fact, this past Sunday, they played against the Texans in London and they lost. But that's another thing entirely. Um, apparently, those have been successful. They play in Wembley Stadium, which is a relatively new facility in London. And um, the NFL is looking to expand its overseas relationship, apparently. Um, from the standpoint of the Chargers, uh, so as many people probably know, the Chargers until very recently were the San Diego Chargers. And due to, I think, problems with ownership and also, of course, money, uh, they were moved to Los Angeles. Now, I know what you're thinking. Los Angeles already has a team. It's the Rams. And they also recently moved there. Um, the result of that has been that the Chargers stadium, the Chargers barely have home games. I don't know if you guys have watched the Chargers game this year, but it's kind of sad Um their stadium tends to just get overrun with fans of other teams. Um, either that or it's empty. Uh, as it stands, the Chargers are also struggling mightily this season, uh, although they got a huge win against Green Bay this week. Um, 
but I don't know. I mean, I guess generally, what are your thoughts on this idea? What do you think the Chargers moving to London makes sense, and and do you want that? So I think it's a neat proposition. I mean, it is really cool to see the spread of the NFL and American football in general across the world. I feel like it, it's really gotten a lot of good reception, those London games at least. I feel like a lot of people over there have really embraced the sport and they at least turn out for the games. The only problem, like, I just don't know how it works from a logistical standpoint because the teams that do go over there and play, they have a severely crunched schedule. Like, can you yeah, imagine flying that far to go to a game it's not like a a nine ten hour flight like that's or maybe it is i don't know i guess it depends where in the united states you're flying from but i just i don't know logistically i feel like it would only hurt teams and i think it just jet lag and stuff like that and i don't know if the nfl players association would get on board with that because it's one thing to go there for like a week to play a game but then you're basically asking nfl players like if you're drafted by this london team you are moving to a different country like you're living there so i don't know I, i feel like it's kind of a logistical nightmare it would be neat and i like the idea of having more outreach in different countries because I think the NFL has the potential to get more popular outside of the United States, but I just don't know how they would make that work. So I think there's something that needs to be said, and that is what do they call soccer in Great Britain? Uh, football. But again, and what, don't you think that that's going to make things a mess? <laughs> I think they call it American football. I honestly don't know how they deal with that. Um, but you, you kind of raise an interesting point that I wanted to make. So, so bombers, right? I hadn't considered the logistics, which of course are a mess. I think nowadays with the ga- games that are in London uh, currently, I think they tend to tailor bye weeks for teams around those so that the travel is a little bit less punishing. Um, but the whole being drafted to London thing, I have no idea how that would work. The thing that concerns me, um, so I think this is a terrible idea, just flat out. Um, I think that the NFL is over-projecting how popular it would be there and and here's why i think that i think if you're some bloke some chap living in london and just living your life and then one one week your your other bloke chap friend comes up to you and says oi mate there's a football there's an american football game being played here this week we should go it's like oh they never play american football here we should probably go because it's the only time it's going to happen so they go. I think that if you were playing games there like every other week, it would lose its luster. People would become less interested and it actually wouldn't wind up being as profitable as they think. Furthermore, I think one of the reasons that it's even remotely popular there now is that a lot of the bad PR that the NFL has here hasn't reached over there yet. Um, I think this is a bad idea. I think it's a needless idea that is just the NFL trying to make more money by moving to the largest city they can think of where they think the biggest market is and where the most potential money is. And I'm I think glad, they're overestimating how much they would make. I'm glad you mentioned the bad PR because to me it felt like it was a reach to make up for the decline in viewership they had due to the bad PR. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think... Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think it would it's a move that would eventually catch up to them and i also think the chargers franchise has been through a lot recently and to ask them to move again would just be tough i mean i feel like whenever i think about the chargers i think about philip rivers 
And I kind of like Philip Rivers. I don't want to make him so sad. He just looks so sad all the time. Like, he <laughs> yeah. just looks so unhappy all the time lately. He's like a pretty decent quarterback. He just wants his team to be good. And it, and it can just, it seems like it can never happen. And I, I know a lot of, I well, not a lot, but I know a decent number of people who were San Diego Chargers fans and moving the franchise to LA where they're now floundering when they really weren't before kind of killed them. Um, so I just think moving them again could make matters worse. I'm a little curious. I don't totally understand why London would be their first choice because I feel like football is very big up in Canada. Like they have the CFL and I know it would kind of encroach on the CFL and I'm not sure if there's some kind of agreement in place, but going to Canada before you go all the way across the sea to London seems like it makes a little bit more sense. Well, sure. And the, you know, the bills almost moved to Canada. That was a few years ago now, but, but Toronto, they were almost moved to Toronto and it was potentially a really big deal. And, uh, you know, even, and granted Mexico city has its share of challenges. The NFL has played games in Mexico city. Um, the elevation there is high. Uh, last year, I think a game was canceled there that was scheduled for there because the field was in bad condition. But I think if you want to just move to a highly populated city where there's potentially a lot of money to be had, Mexico City would be a more sensible choice geographically. But they also already have boots on the ground in London. So maybe that's kind of the main thing that they're thinking. Um, either way, I also think that they kind of got themselves into this mess by taking two teams that were not in Los Angeles and being like, let's move them to Los Angeles essentially at the same time and just totally flood that market with football, which by the way, I don't think there's very many football fans in Los Angeles. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't know. It's just, the stadiums never seem like, full when they, either of the teams have a home game, the stadiums never seem full. Well, and, and this article mentions that they're building a $4.5 billion stadium there, which maybe that will draw people. I mean, the Rams are a good team, or at least they have been for the past couple of years. So they're probably the more likely team to actually establish a fan base there. Uh, the Chargers, I don't know. It, it's as I'm as I'm discussing it, it's kind of a double edged sword because I think moving to London will be bad for them, but where they currently are is also very bad for them. <laughs> so it may it also give like, them an advantage on the home field, though, because they won't be traveling you know 10 plus hours so it might give them a better streak on a home game side could be but i I, the logistic challenges are just too high like what like nerdbomber said you're asking drafted players to go live in another country i just think that's a lot but i mean basketball does it with the with the raptors and that granted that's canada but still it's probably possible um it's worth noting this is all speculatory right now i mean it's it's basically saying that if the Chargers were asked by the NFL to move there, they would listen. But for all we know, the NFL isn't even really seriously considering that. Um, I feel like they would definitely relocate to somewhere in North America before going to London. I feel like they should. I feel like the move to LA, or at least having two teams, I think they looked at New York and the fact that they had the Giants and the Jets and they thought they could pull off something like that. And I don't think LA can support that. I think... no. Following in the path of the NHL, I mean, if you don't want to move the Vancouver. team that far, I, I was going to say Las Vegas. Um, Las Vegas welcomed Whoa. their NHL team with open arms. Um, the support around that team was just amazing. 
So I would be interested, honestly, to see a football team in Vegas. I think that would be a lot of fun. I think people would rally around it. And I think that you'd get a lot of people from out of town who are visiting Vegas and they'd want to see their home team. So I think, I mean, there's a market there. So if I'm not already, mis- if I'm not mistaken, uh, the, yeah, the Raiders are come already, already coming to Las Vegas. Starting next season, they will be the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. So when did that happen? Idea uh a year ago last year i have I been remember. living under a rock apparently i did not know that this is news yeah it's been it's been in the hopper for a while uh i was gonna say vancouver because uh the nhl has a team there it's a big city um seems really nice i don't know i've never been there uh as far as other candidate cities nothing immediately comes to mind but i would think there would be a better place than london but that's just that's my gut reaction um if you're a charger fan and you listen to this podcast we would love to hear from you about this and if you're just an nfl fan and you want to level your thoughts uh i've i've mentioned hit us up on twitter a few times i will say the handles now uh our main podcast account is at oh no at online warriors one uh i am at ow illegal 86 we have at ow nerd bomber and at ow tactic uh so yeah go check us out uh chat us up we're all football fans so we we should roughly know what you're talking about um we're gonna move now into our what are you up to wednesday segment and i'm gonna lead off this week because i have a lot to update you guys on um first on a personal note um i shaved my beard and my face is cold isn't that the opposite of what you're supposed to do for no shave november so what happened is i shaved for my halloween costume on november 1st i shaved which i know is kind of against the rules but it's also kind of like clean slate protocol so now i'm just starting fresh and seeing what a month's worth of no shaving does to my face so far uh the growth is slower than expected and yet also somehow still not pretty uh so that's great um can you take a photo montage you know, I was thinking about doing that, and then on day two, I forgot. So I was like, all right, that ship has sailed. Uh, I could take, like, weekly updates. I don't know. Something to get the people going. We'll see. Um, that's a minor thing. But uh, I mentioned before when we were talking about Death Stranding that I've started playing Red Dead Redemption 2. And obviously a game that got great reviews. People love it. I'm not super taken in by it. And a couple of notes there. I did not play Red Dead Redemption. I don't think that's super important, but it's just something worth noting. Um, Nerd Bomber warned me when I told her I was going to be starting this game that it's just kind of a lot of riding around on a horse. And uh, she was right about that. It's a lot of riding around on a horse. There is action. Um, I'm terrible at the combat. I'm not a rock star guy. I never even played Grand Theft Auto. I assume the combat is similar. And I just, boy, I'm bad at it. Um, There are a million buttons. And most buttons do a different thing if you tap it than if you hold it uh i can't stress enough a lot of controls so i'm 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 waiting into it there are elements of it that i really like and i'm going to keep going with it for a while because i think it has earned that at the very least with its production value but as of right now it's a soft three stars at best for me out of five um you know, I am a little proud of myself because I had a feeling, and you already noted that I, I kind of told you that that's how you would feel about the game. You you warned me, if anything. Yeah, but, you warned me about it. 
honestly, I'm, I'm very happy that I know you well enough to know your video game tastes. Yeah, I, it's just, you know, another problem might be that it's too open worldy for me. It's too RPG. I think I think the re- uh, some a lot of the reasons I'm struggling with it, honestly, are the same reasons that I struggled a little bit with Mass Effect, where it's just a lot. It's a lot of game and it's daunting in a lot of ways. Um, See, but I'm trying to give, I don't, give it a chance and work through that. I don't know if I agree with you there. I feel like especially the first Mass Effect like it's there's daunting. a lot to learn but it's very linear almost like it's not super open worldy when you look at games like red dead redemption so very very interesting that you compared those two red dead redemption is like man i'm just trying to, i'm trying to even figure out how to describe this it's like you go to a town and there's a thousand different things you could do you can go up to any person in the town and talk to them and chances are they will give you something to do and it's, basically it, and like, it's cowboy skyrim yeah and like i didn't play skyrim and like i didn't i don't even know where to start like w- when i get a game that big and like it gives you like kind of a tutorial set of missions and i went through them and i was like all right this is okay and then they're like okay go figure it out and i'm like i wasn't ready for that so it's a I, you know it's a back and forth process i'm working my way through it i'll be keeping you guys updated i'm sure i'll talk about it again next week um the last thing i wanted to mention castle rock season two dropped on hulu uh, i was a big fan of season one it's kind of a spooky show it's kind of like a compendium of all of stephen king's work it combines a lot of his characters and settings to kind of make this spooky spooky show cocktail um so i'm enjoying that so far i'm three episodes and i think there's four or five out so have some more catching up to do but it's going to be weekly releases so a big fan of it so far um tactic what do you have for us today so, you, as you guys know, we have been playing Borderlands, and they have released a Halloween event, which is super, super cool. So, this game, I find, is have found, is notorious for many, 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 many weapon drops. And to the point where it's super overwhelming, the amount of guns you pick up, you do not need to buy a gun. So, for this Halloween event, they have incorporated the possession of the guys you were shooting at and basically all that is is every guy that you is attacking you is standard to the normal storyline however they're glowing some color be it green red or gold and after you take them out a green red or gold skull comes out of them and depending on going from green to gold um, color of the skull is is the more rare weapon so you get weapons from killing them then you get weapons from killing the skull and then you are just running back and forth to the vending machine and just getting insane amount of money to buy more backpack slots and get more money yeah i'm one of those people in the game where i don't like switching weapons like i get very overwhelmed and i know tactic has fortunately suffered through many periods of time like 10 minutes where I'm just sorting my inventory because I have too much stuff and I don't know what to do with it um so I'm one of those people where I try to find like a really good weapon and I stick with it for a little bit so for a lot of it it was just like money in the bank because unless it was like super superior to the weapon that I was already using like I wasn't going to equip it or use it at all so it would just go in my backpack and then right in my bank yeah I think I follow a similar inclination to that in most games and granted i've only played borderlands very briefly but i tend to find one gun that i like and just 
ride it as far as it'll take me and because there are some games where like you play with a gun for a while and then you're like okay this gun's just not good enough anymore the game is too hard to use it but i don't know if borderlands is one of those yeah it is i mean the guns are based on levels and damage goes up the, the higher level that you get so you do eventually have to upgrade your gun and the event goes up to December. So if you guys want to check it out and just keep getting crazy amounts of weapon drops, check out Borderlands. Nerd Bomber? All right. So um, in addition to playing Borderlands 3, I actually got a chance to do a lot of reading over the last week. And uh, a book that I started and actually finished in the last week was um, an absolutely remarkable thing. And it actually came out a while ago, written by Hank Green. I think it came out last year, and I had just been meaning to read it. Um, if you don't know brother who Hank John Green, Green is, yes, yeah. brother of John Green. He, he makes a lot of semi-depressing young adult novels and movies that you probably have heard of. Um, and... It was a lot different than I expected the book to be. Um, just knowing how John Green writes, I, I kind of expected it to be a, a young adult, like, I don't know, just a realistic story. And what I got instead was, um, I guess it would be classified a quote unquote new adult section book because I did find it in the adult section of the library. But like a, a young 20 something year old finds basically a space alien on the streets of New York City at like three in the morning, vlogs about it, and then becomes one of the forefront figures at figuring out what this alien figure is because 60 of some of them have popped up around the world all at the same time. And it ended up being a really interesting sci-fi-ish type book, but also a good kind of commentary on social media and just becoming like a social media influencer and the toll that that kind of fame takes on a person and an individual and it had some political commentary in there and overall just a lot different than I expected the book to be. Obviously I blew through it in the span of a week so I enjoyed reading it. My only knock on it is that it ended on kind of a cliffhanger like the way that the book no, ended if there was no sequel obviously like you could wrap it up and it would just kind of be one of those endings where Leave it up to your imagination to figure out what happened. But the fact of the matter is that the author is working on a sequel. So that just kind of made me a little upset that they ended it on a very obvious cliffhanger. Like one of the more egregious cliffhangers, I think, that I can remember in recent memory. So Do overall, you, though, yeah, I, I, would, I would like recommend the book, I think. Do you feel that the second book is going to be more of a money grab or do you think a sequel would better wrap it up or do you feel had they just ended it it would have wrapped up just nicely i think if they would have just put a pin in it it would have been a really good standalone novel i think that there was still a lot of mystery left enough mystery where it would kind of leave you thinking about the book for a while after you finished it and kind of give you some time to think about like oh maybe this is what happened here or maybe this is why this happened um i think there is maybe enough fodder for a sequel but I'm not really sure. Like, I obviously now want to see it. Like, I want to read it because I want to see what happened. But I would have been totally okay. And I definitely was just expecting a single book. And it would have been nice as a standalone. Yeah. So to all content creators out there, um, if you're thinking about ending on a cliffhanger of any kind and quote unquote, letting my imagination fill in the blanks, I don't want that. My imagination is not up for the challenge. I would rather not have to put that on my imagination to figure out what happens even stuff like inception where does the top fall does it not just tell me i just want to know 
so I can move on. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not everyone feels that way. Um, I don't think we're ever going to end this podcast on a cliffhanger because I think that's an irresponsible thing to do. So shout out to Hank Green, I guess. Um, let's get let's uh, get an update on Fantasy Movie League. Uh, guys, it happened. It happens once a season, at least. I did not fill out a lineup this week. <laughs> so I am in the hole um, by quite a large margin. But you know what? That's okay. There's still time. I do want to talk about this past week, though. Uh, Hipster Pop Geek, congratulations. Uh, played Harriet on almost every screen and uh, worked out to their advantage. Actually smoked everybody. Huge total, $109 million. Uh, second place, we have Hackett's Tech at 64 So quite a large margin of victory. Uh, Nerd Bomber came in third at 60 Oh, you know what? Never mind. This is crazy. We have a tie. You and Ben played exactly the same Cineplex. Did you see this? Did we really? I did not see that. Exactly the same. And for some reason, it put you in third and Ben in fourth. Ben, we'll get that fixed up. Don't worry about it. I think um, that must have been the tiebreaker. I don't think I've ever seen the oh, tiebreaker you know actually right. be relevant before. We tied before. Did we? Yeah. Well, you guys tied at 60, just a, just a hair over 60 million at a... At, uh, I guess Narbonne because of the tiebreaker came in third and Ben came in fourth. You know what they uh, say? Florida Hawk. Oh, what do they say? Think alike. Bingo. Shout out to our Patreon producer, Ben. Um, in fifth place, we have Florida Hawk at 54 million. Mecha Yoda at 53. Secret Asian Man at 53, just about. Then we have our friend Tectic at 52. Yo. Uh, Devin Reed at 51. Justin AR Radio also at 51, and that's the top 10. So I'm not even going to be able to say my own name this time. Um, suffice to say, the total is low. Uh, in the overall, uh, Hipster Pop Geek is now quite a ways out in front due to that performance. Mecha Yoda and Devin Reed round out of the top three. Um, so if you're looking to get in on this, um, you can head on over to fantasymovieleague.com and look up our league. It's Online Warriors Podcast, and it is a locked league, but the password is podcast all overcase. So we'd love to have you join us. This season goes through uh, through the Christmas holiday, actually. So there's still a lot of time to get in, a lot of time to catch up. So we'd love to have you. Uh, to close out today, we are going to get into our weekly lie detector test, which I will this week be administering. Uh, and the subject this week, as selected by our Patreon producer, uh, Keyblades from the Kingdom Hearts series of games. Now, Nerd Bomber, you have a lot to lose here because you are a Kingdom Hearts fan. I don't know if Tactic is as much as you are. So you pretty much have to win this. Uh, do you feel emotionally and mentally prepared? I think so. I was very excited when I saw that the topic was Kingdom Hearts Keyblades. Um but I feel like I could easily fall flat on my face and make a fool out of myself. So I am ready for the challenge. Could either go really well, well or really poorly. I think I have some good stumpers here, but uh, I suppose I'll let you guys be the judge of that. So let's dive right into it uh, with number one. I have 11 here in front of me, so we should be able to avoid a tie. Number one, Sunsinger. Real. What was it? Sunslinger? Sunsinger. Sun and singer. Sunsinger. Fake. I think this one's fake. Okay, Nerd Bomber off to a good start. That is fake. I made that up. Uh, thought it sounded cool. Also, a name of a restaurant that I went to once. <laughs> that's yeah, that's what I was referring to. Oh, you, the topic's Keyblades? Okay, I thought you topic said it was is restaurants. Not, yeah, the topic is not restaurants that I've been to. Uh, okay, let's move on to number two. Fenrir. Fake. I think this one is real, if I remember right. 
Nerd Bomber, you remember correctly. It is real. So uh, she's going for the clean sweep. Tactic, you got to get in the game here. Number yeah, three. Yeah, sweep. Warrior's Path. Real. Fake. Tactic, you're on the board. That is fake. Oh, uh, really? I, again, just kind of thought it sounded cool. Sorry about that. Well, not, I'm not really sorry about it. That's like my whole goal is to fool you guys. Uh, okay, number th- four. Dusk Shadow. Real. Oh, man. Oh, this is so bad because there's so many installments of Kingdom Hearts and I'm like trying to mentally go through them all. I think this one is fake. This one is fake. You are correct. Made it up again. Sounds cool, though. Uh, at the end of this, I'm going to ask which so which Keyblade you would most like to wield. Sorry, also, I almost just called it a sword. Uh, okay, number five, Lady Luck. That one's real. That one's real. She's super confident. Yeah, she is super confident because apparently it's a well-known one. I think I, I was referencing a web page when picking uh, Keyblades to mention. I think that one is in a lot of the games, so makes sense that you remember it. Uh, okay, Nerd Bomber at four, Tactic at two. Tactic, you're still in this. There's plenty of time to catch up. Number six, Oblivion. Real. Real. You are both correct. That is real. I guess uh, that's pretty convincingly real. Uh, number seven, Goldwing. That one's fake, I think. Real. Should have gone with Nerd Bomber Tactic. That one is completely fake. Um, okay, so where we are right now, we have four left. Nerd Bomber is up by three. So Tactic, if you want to win, you have to get all four of these right, and Nerd Bomber has to get all four of them wrong. Let's see if you can do it. Uh, Viridian Crest. That one I think is fake. Real. <laughs> it's fake. <laughs> Dang, I thought that one was the most real sounding one that I had. I guess not. That reminded uh, me too much of Pokemon. I'm on the road to Viridian City. I'm on the I have, road. That is not why I picked Viridian for what it's worth. Um, but good to know. Uh, okay. Hymn of the Heart. Him spelled H-Y-M-N. Not him. Real. H-I-M. I think this one might be real too. You're both wrong. It's fake. Okay, so I stumped both of you with one of them. That's good. Uh, I made that one up. Uh, okay, Diamond Dust. Fake. I think that one might be real, maybe? Question mark? It is real. Okay, so Nerd Bomber has officially pulled away, but let's do the last one for fun. Uh, Stormfall. Real. I think that one's false. Fake. All right. Well, Tactic, you got a good, you got a point at the end. It's, it's, uh, it's real. So, uh, Nerd Bomber got eight and Tactic got four. So Nerd Bomber, eight out of 11 is not half bad. In fact, it's not even three quarters bad. It's, it's not even one quarter bad. It's just good. Uh, so good job. Uh, Tactic four was not great. There were so many like DS games and stuff in the middle and there's just been so many games period. And also like you could have pulled from the the app game, which is a big compendium compendium of lore out there. And I feel like there's yeah. just so many keyblades that like sometimes it's like, I, I don't know. It sounds like it could be. I'm not sure. My biggest takeaway so- from the Kingdom Hearts saga is that there's a butt ton of Xehanorts and the gummy ship is the best part of the game. I, I have the list of keys in front of me. I mean, there are so many. There, there, I don't know exactly how many there are, but there have to be over a hundred. Uh, one of some of my favorites I didn't mention: Crab Claw, Pumpkin Head, 
Uh, oh, Pumpkinhead was good. That was, I believe, from A Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, there's a lot here. Follow the Wind. That's another good one. Uh, anyways, I could do this all day. But uh, Nerd Bomber, congratulations. You will be hosting next week's Lie Detector. And Tectic, once again, will be uh, out for blood, I guess. And um, we're looking forward to having you next week. We hope you come back and join us. We hope you enjoyed listening today as well. Uh, if you did like listening and um, you want us to keep this going, we would love to hear from you. Uh, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review or, or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, you know, the social meets. Um, we're always happy to hear from folks. So uh, we thank you for listening and we hope you have a great week. Adios. See ya.